0: podcast. (laughs) Hooray, this is the podcast where four therapists, three of us are Canadian, one is American, and we serve you cutting edge mental health knowledge. I am Dr. Ryan Howes, an American psychologist.
1: I am Dr. Brooke Lewis, and I'm a registered clinical counselor out of the Vancouver,
2: Canada area. I am Joanna Boyd, also a registered clinical counselor from the Vancouver area.
3: And I'm Chris Boyd, psychotherapist from the Vancouver area and uh, Joanna's brother.
0: Great. Right. Welcome everybody.
2: I feel like we say that all different every time. I never know. I know. Ryan, you always start off and then I'm like, I don't know what Brooke's gonna say and how are we gonna describe ourselves or are we in Vancouver, Greater Vancouver, Greater Vancouver mm. area?
1: I yeah. know. Yeah, it's always a treat. Sometimes I like forget what I'm supposed to say. Anyway, get caught up. Yeah.
0: I have to um, write mine down. That's that's what I do. <laughs> yeah. Well, welcome everybody. I hope you're all having a mentally healthy 2021.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. It's flying you know,
2: by already, isn't it?
0: It is. We're halfway through January.
2: Yeah. I you know, know what? I, yeah. Sorry, Brooke. Oh, I have a comment as well.
1: but I was going to say on Monday which was like week two back to work for me. But um, I, I like, for some reason, I thought it was my first week back since the holidays, but I had a whole week before that. And it just, mm. boop, not there, didn't sink in.
3: Mm. As the topic today is delirium.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Great.
3: Well,
2: I just Yeah, like 2020, January. I don't you remember how it went, it felt really, really long. Like I remember there even being jokes and memes about how long January was. Or felt. I maybe no one else relates to that right now, but um I know there's a lot of fires, like there's fires in Australia. I think there's a lot of stuff going on in that January. Um, wow. a few celebrity like celebrity death there, Kobe Bryant or whatever. I just think I remember it being like January felt like forever. And now all of a sudden it's halfway done.
0: Yeah.
2: It's bizarre. Funny I guess, the,
0: Yeah. I mean, does does January twenty twenty feel like a long time ago for you though? It does for me
2: so long ago you know what yeah i feel like december feels like a long time ago (laughs) like i don't know i think it in the pandemic it made you realize how long it really was or how much happened last year i think it truly was a year for the books not only covid wise but just a lot of big things happening um globally internationally
0: yeah it's true and i think of how you know january 20 20 and january 2019 and 2018 and 2017 probably didn't look that much different from each other you know i don't know that i could really nail down many significant events in my own life for each of those months but holy smokes this one's quite different
1: Mm -hmm.
0: so i don't know there may be a lesson to learn there maybe there's something about you know creating unique uh Whatever it, unique practices, unique uh, habits, something that's different about uh, to make times distinct. Mm-hmm. Um, hopefully, in a positive way. I mean, there's been a lot of horrible things that have happened in the last year, so would rather not recreate a lot of those, but uh, it's nice to be to shake up the routine a little bit.
3: Yeah, for sure. I often, uh, there's usually like benchmarks or like uh, key birthdays or trips or something that help me recall. Uh, Brooke what are you laughing at what is Joanna laughing at
1: I'm I'm laughing at Joanna who's shadowing Chris anything Chris does Joanna's doing I
3: didn't even notice that
1: Mm. she's been doing it for like the whole time
2: Mm. just this past little bit sorry I'm finding amusement in little things here but carry on (laughs) I don't want to distract here for our listeners
1: genuine sibling ruckus happening
3: it's like a, a plug for our YouTube channel
0: I guess. See the so. silly things we're doing. <laughs> see the wacky, see the mirror neurons at work as uh, as Joanna mimics everything that Chris is doing. That's funny. Yeah. That's great.
2: Sorry, Chris, yeah. Draft. What'd you say?
3: Um, I I forget now. No, I think I was just saying how. Uh, oh, yeah, the way I can recall the past years is usually through key birthdays or trips, but mm. it really truly does blend together most of the time. Mhm
0: Yeah. Totally agree.
2: Uh, this week's episode on amnesia <laughs> and loss <laughs> of memory.
1: Yeah. Awesome that theory, is the list. Theory of time.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, I think those are all in play. I think that would count. Well, good. Uh, everyone doing OK? Are you Are you keeping up with your New Year's resolutions really well this year? Yeah. Did you make some?
1: Well, maybe not resolutions, but short term goals. Uh, so Chris and I decided to goal set to learn how to run 5k. Oh, great. Yeah, so we've been using How's that app. going? It's good. Yeah, we're on week two. Tomorrow is week two, day three. Um, yeah, it's a, a free app couch to 5k. And it's just like interval training. So a lot of walk running. And so far, so good.
2: Good job. Good love it good work yeah.
0: good for
3: you guys that's that's yeah, nice you can also dance and frolic if you want to yes you can yes
2: how's uh your running style brooke
1: uh, so far so good so uh funny enough so ryan you don't know this but when i was younger i was made fun of for how i ran because my my arms were like loosey-goosey so i, w- I would run like kind of funny and then um I would be made fun of. So then I overcompensated as an adult. And now I run like I'm on an elliptical. Like my Mm. my arms are perfect. Yeah.
3: Oh, it's weird. Uh, Yeah. Like years ago, yeah, years ago, we're, I've known Brooke for quite a while. I went to, did our undergrad together. And um, so this is probably like a couple of years ago. So after 18 years of friendship, like we're running to the catch a sky train. We have our transit system here in Vancouver. And uh, I look over and I'm like, what are you doing? She's like, I'm running. I'm like, what? What are you, why are you running like that? Like, what are you talking about? But yeah, elliptical, like arms out like this. <laughs> like spaced out. Yeah. Kind of high Perfect knees. Form. It's kinda,
1: Perfect form.
3: Yeah, very so, odd. Yeah. I
1: shared with my dad that I was trying to run. Like this is just on, on Sunday when I was talking to him. And he said, well, you can't run. You run all goofy. Like, what are you talking about? He's like remember seeing you run when you were younger and I was like well that's not right he's like there's something wrong with you like your hip or your foot or he's oh like and then you tripped and fell and <laughs> you be careful out there
3: didn't he like wish you well he's like well yeah. good luck with the running thing you're doing
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh. so it's working out really well I haven't tripped I haven't fallen I think my form is loosening It's good.
0: Okay.
1: yeah hey and I think Joanna's frozen
2: right now Am I? Oh, oh no, you're, you're back. back. Oh, okay.
0: Just jump back. Well, good for you guys. It's a nice goal to have. I think that's uh, that's healthy. I'm glad to hear it. Yeah. And Joanna, you you've been working out all the time, right? Like you uh, you do these boot camps and stuff.
2: Ah, uh, yeah. I'm still. So, I'm not actually going in in person, but I I yeah. I do boot camp videos and stuff. So I try to do like three four times a week. Great. But yeah. Trying to get back into it, I know over the holidays there. I don't know, you kind of just go through ins and outs of it, but definitely been more purposeful with it, so it that's felt good, as well. Yeah, nicely done. Mm-hmm.
0: S- Sound mind and body, that's good. We're all for it. Well, I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready for an ambush. And an ambush is when one of us has the topic, the other three don't know what it is. We are clueless. And tonight's ambush is brought to you by none other than Chris, I do believe. It's me. And you are going to do me the favor of throwing it across the border down to me in SoCal, and we will talk about it. Oh, send it to Joanna. I I know there's (laughs) such (laughs) a.
2: Yeah, the look you just gave there. I was like,
3: what's well, happening? Um oh, send it to Joanna. <laughs> Oops.
0: Oh, okay. This is this is a tough one, guys. This is a yeah. big topic.
1: Is it sleep hygiene part three?
0: <laughs> kind of. It kind of is sleep hygiene part three, but a little different. Little twist on it. Okay, here we go, Chris. Last week we talked about dreams. This week, let's talk about the dreams we have at night. What are dreams? Can it be helpful to reflect on and interpret dreams? And if there's time, what can be done to assist with nightmares? Boy. Sorry to
3: clarify, last week we talked about daydreams.
0: Daydreams, yes. This
3: week, let's talk about the dreams we have at night, yeah.
0: Yes, we were talking about dissociation and uh, daydreams and all sorts of different things last week. You can check out that podcast, but yes, nighttime dreams the little movies we play in our, our brains when we're sleeping. Okay. There's a, this is a great, it's an interesting topic. It's a, it's a challenging one because there's, there's so much that we don't really know about dreams, but you know, there's no real like clear consensus on what dreams are, what they're about. Um, are they meaningful or not? Is it just the brain processing stuff, but let's, let's unpack all of that, shall we?
1: Well, I'm really curious about what you guys have to say about this. I ha- I kind of have my spiel of what I tell clients about dreams, but um Ryan, I know you do a lot of work in this area. Or I, or mean, I, do, I do an so, area, I'm sure. yeah. yeah.
0: Um
1: yeah. So do you want to start it off? I'm curious.
0: Okay. Yes. Let me start it off by saying I'll, I'll, let, me, let me point out the kind of the roadmap here or the the, the lay of the land when it comes to dreams. So there are different ideas about dreams. So some people, um, on the more kind of just cognitive uh, neuroscience end of the spectrum, believe that dreams are are really just the brain sort of uh, doing some some management. It's kind of uh, sorting through the material that you've you've had during the day, kind of deciding what it is you want to remember, what it is you want to throw away, what was important, what was not important kind of just uh kind of cleaning up shop you know um they don't really have like significant personal meaning other than like these are the uh these are just sort of the the, 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 the thoughts and the experiences that you had and you're just kind of again sorting things out and figuring out like uh uh what's what's a priority and what is it um other people believe that dreams are just noise they're just nothing like your brain is you know, you're not, your brain doesn't shut off at nighttime. It's just, uh, it's still working. Your your blood is still pumping and it's, uh, but they don't have any specific meaning. Uh, other types of, of psychotherapy, particularly psychoanalysis. I mean, Sigmund Freud was big on dreams. I got his book right here, actually the interpretation of dreams right here, uh, where, he was big into to meaning and symbolism uh, that the he would say that the dreams are the royal road to the unconscious. So if you were to have someone talk about their dreams for long enough and you could you could really tap into what it is that's going on underneath the surface that they be, that maybe they aren't even aware of consciously. but you're hearing some some conflicts or some desires or some problems that they're having that are, that's kind of underneath the surface, that are showing up in these dreams in these very symbolic ways. And then we have Carl Jung, uh, who was even more on the on road to symbolism. And he had this whole kind of uh, system of looking at dreams and and how there were some, some symbols in dreams and some uh, experiences in dreams that were common among people like across cultures throughout time. Um, you know, like a falling dream could mean something or an exposure dream or uh, being chased. Um, you know, someone's coming to get you and that these are these are dreams that happen across cultures and and throughout the centuries. And then he would say that that's a part of the collective unconscious. Like we all have these sort of deep seated fears and desires and things like that that show up. Um, OK, so there's my whole kind of lecture <laughs> on dreams. <laughs> personally I'll just tell you I'll just jump into what I do with dreams. So personally I love to hear people's dreams and especially the more I know somebody, the more I know a client or I even have several friends who like to tell me dreams if I uh, if I know them really well it's, it's sometimes just like the, the meaning of it kind of pops out because oftentimes I find in, in my work with people that the dreams are either representing a fear or a wish or they're just sort of a state of the union for people. Like, this is something that's going on with me right now. And oftentimes, you know, someone is, uh, you know, they're, they, they're being, they they're have a dream that they're drowning. You know, there's this fear of, I'm, I'm, I'm drowning, I can't get air, I'm suffocating. And I kind of look at, well, what's going on in their life right now that uh, is similar to that? You know, how, how, in other, what other ways, maybe symbolically, are they drowning? Are they drowning at work? Are they drowning in their relationships? Are they feeling overwhelmed and, and suffocated by by the needs of others, whatever that might be? Um, oftentimes people have the the dreams of, of flying. I don't know if you guys have had those before, but those are those are great. I love those dreams. That's usually a wish, you know, a wish to be, you know, free and all powerful and omnipotent, and I could do whatever I want. I could break the laws of physics and just fly. And those are oftentimes wonderful dreams, and kind of a wish to escape, maybe. The realities that uh, that that prevent us from getting there. Um, so, when clients bring that up to me, I, I usually bring up that little spiel about a wish or a fear or a kind of a state of the union, and we explore it and try to see well what 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 can we learn about the person through that dream. And it's all speculation, and the you know the dreams can work on many different levels and many different layers, but. Uh, oftentimes it turns into a really nice discussion. Cool. So that's, that's my longest monologue yet on this podcast. <laughs> Goodness,
3: keep on going. Yeah. 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 It's interesting how you broke that down. The, um, the fear, the wish, and state of the union. Um, the state of the union ones can be quite plentiful, you know? Like if you're uh, worried about a test that's coming up in a couple of days, that's probably going to infiltrate your dreams and at some point, right? Depending on the level of anxiety and stress that you're experiencing. Sure. Have you guys ever had a lucid dreams before?
2: Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that, Chris?
3: So a lucid dream is when you actually um, know that you're dreaming and you can um, manipulate the dream any way that you would like to. Um,
0: hmm. You're I, like I've the not. director. It's, You know the
3: director of that dream. Yeah, you know that you're you're dreaming. So often that fear evaporates, and you can again manipulate what's happening, the narrative of it. Yeah. So I have them the odd time, not not too often, but it's usually a highlight when I do.
2: Yeah, I've never experienced that. I I tend to. I feel like some of my. Yeah, I don't know if anyone else has. I'll let that continue, but not in my knowledge, I haven't. Yeah, I have
1: a a few times in my life, not very often, but. Um, interestingly enough, it was my mom that taught me about lucid dreaming when I was really little because I was having a reoccurring nightmare. And so she said, well, if you're dreaming and you know, you're dreaming, you can change it and do whatever you want. So I was able, like, I was, I don't know, under 10, maybe at that time. So I kept having this repetitive dream where I'd walk into the kitchen as, as myself as a 10 year old. Um, and there would be a man there holding my family hostage at gunpoint and I would be frightened and I would wake up. And so my mom was like, well, you know, or do you know you're dreaming? And I was like, I think I do. And she said, did you know you can do whatever you want in your dreams um, if you know you're dreaming? So then I went to bed that night and I had the same dream and I walked in the kitchen and there was this man holding my family hostage at gunpoint. point, I went over and I pulled his pants down and it like threw him off like I pantsed him and then he like ran away and I like saved the day. And then I never had the dream again.
2: So you amazing. remembered that you were having a dream and that you could yeah. control the situation.
1: Wow. Yeah. Wow. That was my first experience with lucid dreaming and I was probably eight years old, because as an eight-year-old, that was all I could think of to fix wow. the situation, you know?
0: This, uh, the title of your memoirs, <laughs> Pantsing the Boogeyman by Brooke Lewis, there we go.
1: There we are, there we are. So I think it's happened a few more times in my life where I've, I've been able to catch myself and um, and fix it, but that's the one that stands out the most.
0: Did you guys hear about the, the study, like you might remember from your intro psych courses, but like they they were doing research on lucid dreaming and the way that they would do that was they would have someone go to sleep with like an like a eye mask on and they were able to tell when someone was getting into rapid eye movement, which means they're probably dreaming. And when they, when they it detected rapid eye movement, they'd show like a red light, like a, not too bright, but just a red light. And they would be telling people beforehand, when you see the red light in your dream, that means that you're dreaming. It's not reality, mm-hmm. it's dream. And then people would take control of their dream from that point. So it's just a really fascinating way to go about it. It is fascinating. Yeah.
3: yeah. Yeah. So in terms of my clinical work, I don't focus on dreams as much as, as you do, Ryan. I tend to maybe i uh, gravitate more toward the neurological theory of of dreams yeah so more of the the transfer the transfer of data or the processing or encoding of, of data in the brain so i often feel as a is that random element to it so there is a, a narrative and uh of course it can be very vivid but um sometimes i uh, will caution people about not interpreting it too much because um just based on chance alone we're probably going to have some really strange maybe some kind of messed up dark dreams. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if you start to really focus on that or fixate on that too much, um, it could actually create distress um, for, for some individuals. Right. I want to talk about nightmares because nightmares are, are a little different, especially when th- there's uh, the presence of trauma. But I mean, just one of those random ones where you wake up and go, well, that was, that was kind of weird. Right. Where you could probably go down the rabbit hole in terms of analysis. But um, so I feel it sometimes, and I could be could be wrong, of course, but sometimes it's good just to wake up and go, well, that was kind of messed up. Okay, let's get on with my day, and then have that shower and, and, and get rolling, right, instead of kind of uh, recalling it and focusing on it
0: too much. So you introduced the topic of dreams, and what you're saying is you don't really <laughs> give much credence to dreams at all.
1: <laughs> Maybe that's why he needs this as a topic, so we can start doing some work in that area.
3: I've been very curious uh, about other people's perspectives on dream work, of course, but, um, but it's the second part, of course, is that, yeah. How much do you, do you encourage people to interpret it or analyze it? Right.
1: Yeah. So, I, I think it's worth diving into if a client brings it up though. If you're like, Hey, I've been having these weird dreams or a reoccurring dream or whatever that might be. I think it's definitely important to explore it with them. I kind of go, I, kind of a mix between you two my spiel to them is what i've and i let them know that there there's many theories of dreams and my own personal view on this is that our subconscious mind is going to pick up items throughout our environment and our experiences and our thoughts over the course of a few days and it might pick up random things that uh, you may not expect or that you're not even fully aware of in the moment and it's going to store it away and then when we're having a dream our brain tries to make sense of that and it puts it together in a story. It makes a little movie. But the genre of the movie is going to be based off your emotional content. So if you've been feeling a certain way, then that's going to be the genre of the dream. If it's going to be scary or happy or silly or whatever. But it might be weird because you've picked up all these random items from all these different locations and now your brain is putting them all together.
3: Mm. Mm -hmm. Cool.
1: yeah, but I think it's important if it's standing out to them. Um, there's probably a reason for that.
3: Yeah. Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like if there is a dark or negative theme there, or again, nightmares, like we'll first time we'll get into more of the, the nightmare side of things. Sure, that's definitely yeah. something we'll delve into. But um yeah, in terms of just you know, dream analysis on a on a typical night. Yeah, how about you, Joe? How do you uh,
2: you know what? I'm I'm probably even Um, a more vague level than you, Chris, is that I, yeah, I just make note that there, I don't really know a lot about dreams. I'm definitely not an expert in it. Not really an expert, you know, like I just like make note, but I, you know, I talk about how some people might think it's more brain level synapse synapses firing completely just that way, or other people find more meaning in it. Um, so I just, if they're, if the client's wanting to talk about it or explore what's going on, or if there are the reoccurring dreams, it's more of a, let's talk about this or what you might make of it. But in terms of me bringing in any knowledge of, uh, the more interpretation side of it, I very much am forward with that. That's not my realm. Um, and if that's something they want to explore more of that, uh, there could be other people they can talk to. So I'm very curious. Yeah. I'm very curious about it. Um, But it's, yeah, I don't know. I don't really have my own opinion on it. I think I find like some of my most vivid dreaming happens in the morning between my snoozes on my alarm. Um, I'm very bad with that. But between that it's eight minutes and I just, the most bizarre dreams or people show up in my dreams. I haven't seen in years or there just doesn't seem to be, I don't know. I'm very curious about it. And then I tend to forget about it. Like, I couldn't tell you what I dreamed about this morning, but it was so vivid when I woke up. Um, Anyways, so I don't know. I'm happy to learn more. Yeah.
1: And I often actually, I dream very little or I do not remember my dreams when I wake up. If you were to ask me when I wake up, did you dream last night? I would say no. Hmm.
0: Mm. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, that's that's one thing that it's it's a good distinction you make there, Brooke, because the, the, the science sort of supports the idea that most people, or basically everyone does dream, but not everyone remembers their dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, something's so,
1: happening in there.
0: Yeah, something's happening there. The brain, you know, the brain, if you look at the you know brain waves when someone's asleep, it's not dormant. No, the brain is pretty darn active, in some ways even more active um, when, we, when we're sleeping. So there's a lot of stuff a lot of stuff going on in there. And maybe it's the the processing and and uh you know data storage that we're doing. Um but there may be some some dream stuff going on there too that's more symbolic or meaningful. Let me talk can I talk a little more about this, Chris? Just Please. Uh, about some of the process that I go through with some of this. Yeah. So um yeah, a few few different interesting points here. I once heard from a uh a a psychoanalyst and, you know, psychoanalysis is like the, the branch of psychotherapy where people often go multiple times a week. And, and it's, uh, kind of the, the whole thing that Freud put together in the very first place and, and psychotherapy, a lot of psychotherapy has has changed since then so that people go once a week or every other week or whatever they're doing, but, but psychoanalysis really does focus on the the unconscious and the dreams and, and all of that sort of thing. And I remember, a. a, a um, an old supervisor of mine who was a psychoanalyst saying, you know, the first time someone brings you a dream in therapy, it's, it's a gift to you because they're really showing you something very vulnerable about themselves that they might not even know how vulnerable that is, but it's something that's, you know, really opening, they're opening up to you and they're trusting you with something. So you got to treat that really carefully. And, and also beyond that, when a, when a client has a dream about you as the therapist that's something to take very very seriously because you know that's says that's saying a lot about your relationship and i think we would all agree that the relationship is the most important part of of therapy you know more so than than your particular technique or or what uh you know what books you've read the relationship you have with the client is very central so if someone is having a dream about you as the therapist then that means that they are uh, wrestling with or trying to incorporate or trying to trying to make you kind of a part of their psyche in some ways. And that's a really important dream to, uh, to be aware of. Mm, cool. Has that now, happened to you? Oh yeah. Yes, it has. And in some ways kind of, kind of interesting, like um, this is many years ago and I'm not sharing any information about the client, but there was a client who had had a dream, said, you know, I had this weird dream. This is like two months into therapy. I had this weird dream that I uh, I was sitting on this couch with someone and I was talking and this person had no face. I couldn't even really tell who it was. I didn't know who it was. And I was sitting and talking to this, to this person and I just started making out with them. And I don't know what was going on there. And it was just this, uh, it was it seemed like it was really weird and it seemed like it was really kind of out of place, but I was um just started making out with this person and it and it stuck with me, and for some reason it really seemed like a very odd uh dream, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Right. So I'm thinking, okay, you're on this couch, which of course I have a couch in my office, right? And this is a person who has no face, so Uh, That may be a protective mechanism there, like, you know, don't want to show who this is, but you're being very vulnerable and very intimate with this person kind of suddenly, Mm -hmm. and it's sort of shocking and surprising that you're being so suddenly intimate with this person. And uh, we talked through some of that and um, eventually got to the point of, of this client saying, oh, yeah, maybe that's about coming to therapy, you know. Another big point that I'm making with clients yeah. a lot of times is that it's, it's not, a it's, these are symbolism, it's symbolism all over the place. You know, this is yes. not, this is not that the client wants to make out with the therapist. This is that, that this is an intimate act. And, um, and so much of therapy is about intimacy as well. So it'd be kind of yeah. a shortcut to talking about that intimacy. So when I talk, when I, when a client shares a dream with me, I, like to just listen to them, and say, oh, you're gonna talk about it. Great, let's let's talk about it. Sometimes I'll take notes even. Mm-hmm. I rarely take notes during session, by the way. But if there's a dream that comes up, I might just pull out the legal pad and, and take a couple of notes. And what I'm writing down are the the objects that that come up in the dream, right? Like couch, makeout, faceless, you know, whatever that might be. And then after the dream. I want to circle back and say, tell me, tell me just putting the dream aside. What do you think about when you think about couches? You know, what what's what comes to mind when you think about couches? When you think about making out, what does that mean to you? I want to like define terms, kind of like we do every time we have this podcast. We're always defining our terms. What do we mean by this? You know, so and, and also not just defining it, but trying to figure out what does that symbolize for them or what? Maybe if there's any history with that, you know, did anything about a couch happen in your life uh, historically? Mm-hmm. And let's see what that's what that's all about for you. And gosh, oftentimes we, we come up with something golden through that process of just mm-hmm. kind of digging into each individual symbol in that dream. And we can really find that uh, that, yeah, maybe this is really meaningful. Maybe this is something that's uncovering a fear or a wish or something about kind of where they are right now, kind of the state of the union. So that's that's kind oh. of my process with it. No, that's mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm.
1: I, I think like it's how you just kind
0: of. Oh, it's so fun! <laughs> it is fun. Yeah. And, and like I said before, I if someone just came to me off the street, <clears throat> cold, <clears throat> I don't know that I'd have much to say about the dream.
2: But knowing that get... person.
0: Yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah, knowing that person, knowing. What they're going through in their life right now or what they've gone through historically in their life really adds that that layer of context to it that makes makes it so much more meaningful for for me at least.
2: I think it'd be really great to to spend some time on nightmares because like I feel like there's so many clients that come in and if they have past traumas and stuff or they, yeah, just the same nightmare or just how can we help them? with that or if someone is troubled with nightmares
1: yeah i have a few go-to things but ryan i don't know
2: or
0: go ahead i've been talking way too much this episode
2: Chris, do you have great, ryan. It's,
1: it's, it's nice to hear yeah, no.
3: yeah i can uh, i can definitely add you, you sort us off there and if i have anything different i'll jump in there
1: okay sure so for um when clients come in and they're having nightmares i do investigate them a little bit it's, uh not quite like you, Ryan, but, uh, you know, just exploring it and the emotional content behind it, trying to make sense of it a little bit. I I believe when we make sense of something, it's not as scary and it makes it easier to approach, right? Um, And then I do encourage clients to do the writing. I'm not sure if everyone else does this, but you write out the dream in as much detail as you can, but you rewrite the ending to whatever you Mm -hmm. want that ending to be. And then once you've done that, then you read it to yourself. You can read it out loud. And after you've read it out loud a few times, then you have to close your eyes and like visually run through that in as much detail as you can. So a very strong visualization of what that would look like so that when you go to bed later that evening, um, if that tape starts running, if that movie starts playing, hopefully it plays the new ending.
0: Oh, Brooke, that's awesome.
1: Yeah, yeah. For Great. If it's like a, kind of that reoccurring nightmare, because I think what, uh, what I think happens with the reoccurring nightmares is it plays once and it spooks us. And what's going to happen, our body and our mind is going to pay attention to the things that scare us. And that's just natural is how we stayed alive as a species. So then... We go to bed and now we're primed. Like I hope I don't have that scary dream. So now we're thinking about the scary dream and what it, what happens? It plays the scary dream again. So let's try and change that. So yeah, I get people to visualize it out.
0: Yeah, I like I like this Brooke because it's a continuation of pantsing the boogeyman. You know. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you know, you're able to 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 rewrite. You're the director of the dream and write out the the, the ending that you desire and repeat that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But you do need to visualize it, read it out loud and then visualize it beforehand throughout the day and when you're feeling uh, safe and calm and comfortable. So if you only write it out and then go to bed, that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. You haven't mentally rehearsed it enough. I don't don't think for it to actually be effective Mm -hmm. Um, or even just priming the brain So if you're having this recurring nightmares, again, when you go to bed, now you're associating bed with fear. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna go to bed, I'm gonna have this nightmare. You're priming yourself for a nightmare. So how about before bed, you uh, do a little state shifting and you have a catalog or a photo album on your phone of memory pictures that bring really strong positive memories or memories of laughter and really sit with those and, and think about those memories in those days and allow yourself to laugh even. And then go to bed after that and chances are that nightmare is not
2: going to happen mm-hmm.
0: it's it's interesting brooke i'm glad you're bringing up trauma and nightmares because like here's here's one area where we know there's an association between someone going through you know suffering trauma or ptsd that sort of thing and then having nightmares absolutely um which which would tell us that it's it might not just be about processing the, the issues of the day, you know, there's something there. And especially with recurring dreams or recurring nightmares, it's yeah. like something's kind of pulling us back to this event, whatever that might be, or this feeling, um, this experience that <clears throat> it's like, you got to deal with me. It's like it's knocking on the door saying, you got to come deal with me at some point.
1: Yeah. A lot of um, my, well, not a lot, but uh, it's been repetitive in my trauma yeah. clients where it's running away from something. Um, so like fire or, uh, somebody chasing them or like, it's, it's yep. running away from danger and not being able to, that sense that they're not running fast enough. That's been a sure. reoccurring one for me. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. And I like that technique a lot, Brooke, and, and, um, I've done something very similar and I often encourage clients to be as creative as they can when it comes to the ending of that story. So think of like superheroes and powers that they have. Right. So uh, sometimes going over the top will further prime their mind to, to kick into that new narrative when the time comes. Um, but even just writing, you know, we've talked about over the course of this podcast, just how powerful the uh, writing can be in terms of uh, processing that information, right? So just writing about it and talking about it would probably uh, assist with that.
0: Mm-hmm. And
3: yeah, fully fully agree, Ryan, like, you know, in terms of the trauma work that's often a, a pretty strong indicator that there's some some trauma there that needs to be processed and of course you have all these great um, theories and approaches to to assist clients with that uh, within uh
0: psychology uh, um so I'll I'm going to self disclose here a little bit um about a, about dreams and recurring dreams because sometimes there's you know trauma dreams which can be which could be rough in their own right. But um, I've shared with you guys that my my mom passed when I was a kid, right? I was 10 years old. And she passed mm-hmm. away. And periodically for years after this, I would have, after she, she died, I would have a dream that she would show up in and she'd be there. And I'd be like, mom, what are you, what are you doing here? I thought you died. And she would say, Oh no, don't worry about it. It's they 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 mixed it up at the hospital. It was a big mistake. I'm fine. Everything's fine, right? Um and so I'd have this nice dream of of being with my mom again and then I'd wake up and I'd feel kind of disappointed, you know, re-experiencing the fe- the reality that she's actually gone. So it wasn't a nightmare, right? It was wasn't scary. It was actually quite enjoyable. But for me, as I as I reflected on that, Uh, years past, you know, once I got into therapy in my 20s and 30s, it was like, okay, that was my attachment stuff. That was me kind of dealing with coping with the fact that I had this, this important attachment figure in my life, this person to whom I was very close, or with whom I was very close, and very strongly attached. And my brain is trying to reconcile that, that she wasn't there anymore, trying to figure out, like, how do you you know, she's not there, but I remember her, but she's gone. You know, what do I do with that? And I think that was, again, kind of this coping mechanism of of saying she still kind of lives on in my memory. She still lives on in my mind, in my heart, but she's not really there physically. And oh. I, I've heard of since becoming a therapist, I've known a lot of people who've lost loved ones and had that exact experience of of, you know, revisiting that loved one. In a dream, and uh, you know, sometimes it's like the one that I I had, where it was like a reassurance, "No, I'm still around." Uh, sometimes it's different, but but that's I think to me that that shows me some evidence that like yeah, there's there's stuff going on there. There's my my brain is processing uh, relationships and loss and and feelings through dreams.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So do you think that's kind of part of the grieving process, or is that an indication that maybe um, the gr-
0: more grieving needs to be done there. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would say that that's just a kind of kind of state of the union. Kind of a this is this is where I am. You know, I'm trying to wrestle with you know this this existential question of like how can how can there be sort of a place in my psyche reserved for this person and yet that person's not there any longer. You know. What do I, what do I do with that? My brains trying to make sense of that, saying, no, I'm still here like in memory, but I'm not here physically. and mm-hmm. and that was I think that's just uh, we're, we're trying to sort through these these very complex issues. And also in a way, kind of giving us this little bit of uh, of joy, kind of delight like, oh yeah, I do still remember you. You are still mm-hmm. around. I had those dreams a lot when I was younger and they kind of spaced out kind of incrementally after that. Every once in a while, every year or two, I'll have another dream like that. And it's still really pleasant to, to be able to kind of feel that, uh, that connection again through a dream. And it's still a little disappointing when I wake up and have to realize, ah, oh, crap, it's that's, that's not actually real.
3: Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Thanks for sharing. And a,
2: yeah. a friend of mine, yeah, that is definitely neat. I think, uh, yeah, I think that's that's not unheard of for sure. A friend of mine had the same when she lost her grandmother. She kept dreaming about her. She wasn't able to interact with her herself, but other people would interact with her or wouldn't mm. be able to have a personal conversation, but she would show up and she might talk to this friend, but my friend would just wake up sobbing. So it was, yeah. you know, so there's just a, but she she liked seeing her, her grandma, um, but it was just, yeah. I don't know. She said, yeah, it was, I think, happier to see her than not, of course. Um, but yeah, interesting.
0: Yeah. And, and actually, then thank you, Joe, because that's I think that actually is that that kind of clarifies the point that I do think it is a part of grief, Chris. I think I think it is part of that process because grief is not you're not really it's not like you're cutting something off. You're changing the relationship. It's something mm-hmm. that's different now, you know. But that space of my mom will always be there. It's just, it's not going to be tangible and physical. It's just going to be a different space, you know, same with the grandmother, right?
2: And It's hard too, because not everyone who loses a loved one will dream about their loved one, right? Or some people right. might hope to see them in their dreams sure, or wish for that, but it's obviously not a guarantee. So it's just whatever is going to happen is going to happen. But
0: great point. Um, yeah, that is a great point. Yeah. So I like the idea of uh, rewriting the the nightmare uh, script to have a better ending. Is there a, where, is there a way to nightmare-proof yourself? Do you think? I, I, actually, you actually you looked. You talked about looking at good pictures and and like warmer, loving moments and stuff.
1: Kind of prime yourself for yeah. positive dreaming. Yeah, that's good. Um, you know, because once you're asleep, yeah. Yeah, you just got to let it roll out, right?
0: Right. Right. That's a good Unless question. Unless you can realize yeah. you're
1: dreaming, then you can step in.
3: But Yeah, the lucid sure. dreaming. I've heard uh, that to, to uh, engage in a lucid dream, you have to prime yourself to look down at your feet. I'm not sure if that's true or not, but just throw it out there. Um, but even just priming your mind, saying, I want to have a lucid dream tonight, which I really would like to have a lucid dream tonight, um, somehow that increases the probability of actually having, having it. So. That that prep work right when you're awake, um, it seems like we can can uh, change and shift um, the content of that dream.
0: When I used to teach uh, psych 101 uh, at a community college for several years here, I I would the the week before the chapter on dreams. um, I would tell the class okay everybody you're going to have a dream this week and you're going to remember it and you're going to write it down. And I'm sending this message straight to your, your deepest part of your unconscious. And that's going to happen this week. And I want you to write it down and bring it to class next week. And I got to say like 90% of the time that worked, (laughs) people would have a dream, remember it. and, And it would be something kind of significant. We'd talk about it. It was great. Oh, that's cool. So maybe you can have this lucid dream, Chris.
3: Hopefully. Yeah hopefully. It might, might be nice to have some variety because usually I, you know, dream of Ryan.
2: <laughs> of what?
3: Coach, of Ryan, Ryan guy.
2: Oh, Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> I do not know what you said. <laughs> He's
0: always dreaming yeah, of me. It's it's nice to have some worse.
3: variety there, you know, but yeah, back to your question though, before, I think healthy individuals, I think just based on chance alone, you might, you might have a nightmare in a while, right? Yeah. So, and if it's not reoccurring, um, of course, yeah, you might be able to delve into it therapeutically, but i just think based on the range of emotions that we all experience on a daily basis i think that is likely going to impact our our dreams right so i don't think that's problematic problematic per se um unless it becomes
0: a, a reoccurring right mm-hmm. right right oh no i mean I, the the problems that that occur from nightmares are when people wake up screaming they you know they're totally distressed, waking up in the morning, you know, they lose, they're losing sleep as a result of these dreams. Mm -hmm. And I guess this would be a a place to say that, you know, psychotherapy for the treatment of trauma, uh, is probably warranted at this point, you know, because if people can work through that trauma can heal that trauma to some degree, manage it, um, then they, they'll likely find a, a, uh, Uh, fewer of these these nightmares coming up from time to time right
1: i have a random dream question for you guys do we have time for a random dream question let's do it hit it do you think when dogs are dreaming do you think they're good dreams or
2: bad dreams because
1: they're always running and barking
2: and sometimes isn't there like a whine, like a like a whimper Um, no does it tend to be
1: It tends to be, like, if it's a whimper, it's, like, on the way to, like, this little cute
2: bark thing. How about babies? When babies, what are they dreaming of? Can they dream? Like, they don't have much life. Yeah.
3: You know what? I've seen this before. Like, I would have sworn I've seen this exact scene in a dream I had. Deja vu. Deja vu. That's another topic, too.
0: Oh, boy. I tend to think that dogs are probably thinking happy thoughts about chasing some squirrel and like eventually catching it or something like that and babies are thinking about getting fed or being hugged or getting changed or whatever they're doing I want to think positively about this
2: or like pleasant noises or like things sensations or something I don't know yeah Yeah. Yeah.
1: like my little doggos aren't waking up from dreams and they sure do sound cute when they're dreaming but I'm. you
2: know, I'm kind of curious. I wonder. That's funny. <laughs> then I have I have a whole other area <laughs> of like waking up and thinking there's like things in my room or seeing things and stuff. So that's a whole other area.
1: <laughs> and Joanna personally struggles with this. Yeah.
2: Yes, one hundred percent. It hasn't okay. happened recently, but yeah, I just might um, might be like a figure standing over my bed or coming towards me or might be thinking people are trying to come into the window in my room or and i would wake up in these like full sweats and have to go turn on the light because my mind is playing tricks on me
0: oh my gosh um,
2: so it's almost like i'm
0: in this frozen <laughs> or, uh, i don't know right now now you're back but you <laughs> so were frozen you you it's
2: almost like am i you're back now, sort of. Oh, it's almost like between being between sleep and reality, like almost being. Yeah. I don't know, but it's not pleasant. It creates a lot of stress. It, would, it, it would happen quite often, and now it's luckily not happening as much.
0: Is it that you you are kind of awake, but you're still paralyzed? Because there's a whole phenomenon I, there. Oh, mm,
2: I know. No, it's not. It's not sleep paralysis. i okay. As far as I know, because I'm actually able to move, but it's just that fear of what I think is happening, or that I think someone's standing there and I talk to them or I'm like, hello, or like
0: no I,
2: uh, it takes me a moment for my eyes to adjust or all of a sudden it's not what I think it was, but there's that moment where, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been, it's created a lot of stress for me over the years. Um, but luckily it's not happening. It's, it's seldom now, which is good, but I don't know. Okay, Well, I feel like sleep just-
0: Yikes. Oh, no. You're all breaking You're back. up. You're, back. You're breaking. again. Yes. Well, Joanna, maybe you and I should talk offline sometime. We'll just...
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll stop talking right now. But, anyways, <laughs> I have things.
0: <laughs> all right. That's
2: all. That's all. Yeah,
1: yeah. Or another topic for another day would also be sleepwalking.
0: Oh, and I've done that,
2: that too. happens there? And sleep talking. Well, I guess uh, maybe not as exciting. But
0: <laughs> no. Sometimes very exciting. I hear the secrets that you keep when you're talking in your sleep it was a great song from yeah. the 80s. All right. Uh let's wrap it up, you guys. We'll get back to more sleep. We'll go to sleep hygiene four another time, but uh but for now we're gonna wrap it up. Uh please like and subscribe on Apple Google, Podbean, Audible, or YouTube. Send your questions to info at mental health bootcamp.com. Visit us on Facebook or Instagram tell a friend write down your dreams actually i'm going to tell you guys you're going to have an important dream in the next week and if you would like to send it in to us at info at mentalhealthbootcamp.com and we will anonymously talk about it in our next podcast so if anyone's brave enough to take that up we will be happy to do it
2: but we don't know this person
0: but we don't know this person, so it'll be very rudimentary. We don't know what we're going to find. But it'll be fun anyway. Okay. Guys, have a great night. And we'll talk to you later. This was a lot of fun. Bye, everybody.
1: Bye. Bye.